Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me, Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens are coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. I'll be listening for you. Open mic, Saturday night. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. And thank you for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. So good to have you. We hope that you're enjoying your weekend brought to you. And don't forget... um, under the auspices of the labor movement here in the United States. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we're going to be speaking truth to power and ourselves, and we're asking a number of questions uh, tonight, asking you about the hash occupy, and can we occupy our black mind? on the issue of the day. Um, Many of you have um, expressed over the last couple of weeks some um, interesting observations about Occupy Wall Street, Occupy Philadelphia, Occupy Baltimore, Occupy LA, Occupy Chicago, Occupy Atlanta, Occupy Boston, Occupy DC, and as the Occupy Wall Street movement intensifies and grows, the closing words of its first collectively written declaration grow in significance. Let me share with you what that might be. These grievances are not all inclusive, acknowledges that this movement 
must first and foremost be an opportunity to build and expand alliances. In refusing to set out a definitive set of policy bullet points, this movement against the common sense of capitalism is poised to critically reevaluate the accepted norms of our present society and tonight at our common ground. We ask, are we thinking about what we want, need, and demand in the Occupy movement? At the end of the day, how will it change our lives, resolve the issues of strategy to dismantle the poverty, economic, educational, and political oppression, which are the realities of our people? And the bottom line is this, after the occupation, will our communities, still be and remain occupied. I'm getting some um, information about the technical quality of um, what's going on here at Blog Talk Radio tonight, and Alpha is telling me that telling me that I have uh, an echo going on. I don't know where the echo is coming from. I'm testing all the wires. I'm looking at all the connections and um, trying to determine where it's coming from. Am I st- still getting an echo? Echo still there? Come on. Uh So tonight at Our Common Ground, we're asking those very fundamental questions. We're asking what we're also going to be looking at what you can demand versus what you can do. I think there's been a lot of discussion about what you can do, but not a lot of discussions about what we are asking for. So... um, we're going to take a side look at the Occupy movement tonight to to help us begin this discussion, um, and we hope that you will stay with us. One of the things I want to do is look at the various perspectives about the Occupy movement and take your calls, because tonight is Saturday night, open mic, and uh, we are hoping to hear from you. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and our number is 347-838-9852. What are your perspectives, and what are the roadblocks, and what should we be doing versus what we should demanding? While Occupy Wall Street activists are under some pressure now to come up with demand to make of the powerful. In many cases, there's no point in demanding anything from your enemy except that he dropped dead in a hurry. But if Wall Street is an unadulterated evil, as many outside of Wall Street folks claim, and they are right, then what is to be demanded of the banksters and the others, of the government, of the feds? and their friends that they commit suicide forthwith uh, is a question that uh, very whimsically was asked at the Black Agenda Report this week. 
and we're hoping to get your perspective. 347-838-9852. Thank you for being with us tonight. I'm losing everything tonight. I don't know what's going on. Um, we have really got a problem with our our board. Well, for technical reasons, it's, it, you just add to your burden of proof when you do that. But we can prosecute them under the existing fraud laws for very conventional fraud. Look, the FBI warned over seven years ago that there was an epidemic of mortgage fraud and predicted that it would cause an economic crisis. There's no excuse. We've had over seven years to deal with open frauds. Only about a month ago, the Federal Housing Finance Administration filed fraud complaints, civil ones, against 17 of the largest banks in the world, in which it said there is a paper trail that demonstrates the fraudulent intent of these banks. Well, where is the Justice Department? And for that matter, where's Paul Krugman? who can't be bothered to use the F word. This is the five letter F word you can use in public. It's called fraud and until the economists get over their silly tribal taboo against using the word fraud and actually supporting us in prosecuting the frauds, we're never going to make progress. David, your last word. Bill, real quick, I'd like to take this opportunity. I've been in conversation with a lot of people down at Liberty Park and throughout this country occupying locations, and we would love to nominate you as a kind of de facto attorney general, the Occupy Wall Street Department of Justice. Uh, if you can come down to one of our general assemblies throughout the country and propose some enforcement actions that we could stand by and line up uh, behind, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. You are perhaps the greatest white-collar crime expert there is, so we need you, and uh, we'd love to have you come down. I'd be happy to serve. We just were here yesterday doing it in Kansas City. There you go. Thank you. Um, I, I, it's an honor to, to share this conversation with both of you. Thank you for giving me the privilege of, of hosting the two of you. Uh, and uh, I hope that, uh, that the relationship that you just proposed comes to fruition. And I hope that I get the pleasure of covering Bill, ba Bill Black's prosecution of the banks in 2012 uh, or some version thereof. Uh, Professor Black, thank you. David, uh, congratulations on your own courage and your own uh, investment in uh, defending the principles that we all see are being affected. Thank you. Right back at you, man. You're the one guy on TV I trust. Cool. Thank you very much, David. Uh, thank you all. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Uh, ultimately, uh, as we are all experiencing together, this is not a left-right thing. This is about fixing a rigged system of a auction government that has literally changed what it means to be a citizen in America. Two classes. Everybody and the platinum citizens. That is the topic of our latest Huffington Post blog up this morning at 11 and throughout the afternoon, Platinum Citizenship. Uh, give it a look, uh, and you will see the specific mathematics of how Tim Geithner has officially engineered the two classes of citizenship.
is it really all about fraud or is it about a system where fraud is the absolute framer? We're going to go to our phones. Thank you for being with us. This is our Common Ground. 908, you're on the air. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hi, this is Linda uh, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. How are you tonight? I'm all right. I'm all right. I wasn't planning on talking, though. I was just... Uh, okay, we're going to put you back on hold, and thank you for being with us. Okay. Uh, I've been thinking about you a lot today. Oh, really? <laughs> I have indeed. Yes, I have. Uh, as a matter of fact, I made a couple of mental notes. Got to call Michelle. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to put you back on hold and okay. uh, come back to you. Okay. If you we'll, we'll check in with you to see if you want to talk. Okay. Or a better system might be, because of what we have to do in our studio, is that you hang up and call back, and then I'll know that's when you want to talk. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. In our chat room, you can join... Alpho and BK Gower and House Music Lover, we thank them for being with us. We have a couple of guests, and you can join them at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Um, and Alpha is letting me know that he was the culprit and not me. Our number three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two once a month. Without guests, I join with you here at our common ground to uh, look at issues that might be on your mind. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot uh, this week is what the real agenda is behind the Herman Cain tax scheme. Um, The Republican candidate Herman Cain, 999, is the best current example of the real agenda of the GOP in my mind. I don't know how you feel about it, but you can call me and talk talk to me about it and talk to us about it at 347-838-9852. And one of the reasons that I bring it up is that I do believe it is a masterpiece of marketing. Simple, 999. Even though Alpha tells me it's nine pizzas, nine toppings, nine dollars. Uh, but this 999 label being reminiscent of uh, the two-for-one pizza special, and what it would do is allow lower our federal income tax rates to a single 9% rate. Now I understand that there is a rumor in the in the in the wash that says he's now turned it to 909. But the real deal is that it would lower all federal income tax rates to a single rate. And Rick Perry, the another Republican candidate, has come up with another flat rate tax. Um, but a flat rate would um, set a corporate rate at the same rate as everybody else. And it would also levy a national sales tax of 9% in the 999 plan that has been introduced by Herman Cain. But I read recently that Bruce Bartlett, who is a former economist in the Reagan and George H. Bush 
administration, and he's a fellow Republican apostate, analyzed the 999 tax plan, and his conclusion was that it decreases revenue as it drastically cuts the taxes of the wealthy, and that is the kicker. Raising taxes on the least well-off, the same old fraud, the same old lies, and that this 999 plan does not, in fact, tax all incomes at 9%. And that's so much for appealing to the tripartite simplicity of it. But it lowers the capital gains and dividend rates to zero. That is the backstory on the 999. And <clears throat> what what we have to understand is that the usual rationale for reducing tax rates on capital below the rates on labor, and in Keynes' plan, he abolishes them entirely, and is that capital gains and dividends are double taxed. That is, the corporation that pays them out is taxed and the recipient is taxed. But, folks, let me tell you, that's a smokescreen. The American revenue system is about taxing individual legal entities. Taxes on an individual, be he or she a wage earner or a sole proprietor of a business, are only levied once. That said, all income from whatever sources is taxed in those cases. And so that is the backstory, and there is an agenda. Rick Perry comes right behind him. Kane has never bothered to put together a proper campaign organization. Um, and Rick Perry is producing this flat tax uh, plan, one likely to be similar, regressive in the manner of the 999, even if differing in details. And this is the normalization of bad policy, and it continues. I mean... <clears throat> Kane has has given given that Kane's campaign is spending tens of thousands of dollars of scarce funds to buy copies of his autohagography. It is possible that his whole candidacy, like that of Donald Trump or Sarah Palin, is mainly a bid to boost his his personal income, his book sales, speaking engagements a gig as a Fox News commentator. <clears throat> as year chased weary year, Kane no doubt grew tired of being a huckster for his own brand of ketchup sauce and easier and and mozzarella on a soggy cardboard crust. So he wanted to augment his income in the more respectable realms of ideas. The Club for Growth, Americans for Prosperity, Americans for Tax Reform, and all the other front organizations for billionaires would agree, regardless of what happens to his candidacy, Herman Cain has succeeded in the, in the world of ideas. He has given them much cover. He has introduced... I mean, you know, it, it, it starts out like this. You introduce a ridiculous idea, 
and then somebody comes behind you and we and takes that same idea which is equally ridiculous but it is better than the first idea and then what do you have you have something that people might accept and that is how this normalization of bad tax uh, policy is coming our way. I'm not getting how Occupy Wall Street, how the 99% are going to get to all of this. I'm simply not getting it. I'm trying to I see the positives but I also see the negatives because we have to at some point look at how we define justice, how we define prosperity, how we place those concepts in our realities is very different from most of the people who see themselves as 99%. There is a reworking group, and we appreciate, respect, and encourage endorsements from individuals and organizations for uh, the presence, the presence of what's going on on Wall Street. But my question is whether or not Occupy the Hood is just another way for us to go along to get along. You get what I'm saying? Maybe I'm not making myself clear, but it's a matter of go along, get along. So tonight I'm trying to get to what are two of the basic premises or thought processes going on in our own community. Um, And let me share two perspectives that I think are interesting. Um, how can African Americans ensure that they hold Wall Street and big businesses accountable to investors and average citizens? African Americans. Yes. There's two, two, two ways. One is you have to have people in the street to raise the issue for the freedom and a clarity. Second, you have to have pressure on the policy makers economic policy makers who are not so tilted for Wall Street and more concerned about workers, homeowners, and poor people, and the elderly, and the children. Both fronts. So that on the one hand, now, all of a sudden, people are more and more thinking, well, what they out there doing? What, what's, going, what's wrong with Wall Street? They're just doing what they always do. No, the greed has been running amok. It's out of control. But then the second thing is, got Tim Guyton and the others still running things, that's their man in Washington. So no matter how many popular speeches Barack Obama gives, if their man in Washington is still running things, then what he's saying is just epiphenomenal. It's superstructural. It's not on the ground. So that it's true if we had some progressive connected to policy, Paul Krugman and the others, then you had us out here. And of course, we freed it, Paul Krugman. We can stretch out and tell our truth. You know what I mean? Oh, 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 yeah, you got to stretch out and tell your truth. Just like the artist, you know what I mean? You got to stretch out and tell your truth from your soul. But then the folk inside have to be sensitive to it. 
and Geithner and others aren't sensitive to what's going on here at all. So, oh, Lord, no. no, no. They're probably talking to the Wall Street folk right now. How many? What kind of impact are they having? Uh, has it died down yet? I hear it's one, uh, next week it'll only be 12. It'll be 50. No, it's going to be 150. And 175. They can't believe it. Thank you, sir. Thank you so very much. What I have given you, I will pay you on my return. That is your neighbor. That's who you should love. That's who you should soldier for. That is whose side you should fight for. Am I justified in going out there and standing on Wall Street and fussing and arguing and protesting with them? Am I justified? No. They didn't come and do nothing for us. They looked and kept on going. They looked and kept on going. So that is what we should do. Look and keep on going because that's not our sight. They didn't take us to the Antifa. They didn't pour no oil on us. They didn't give a damn about us. They used the word hood to deceive us, to make us think that it's actually some part of us calling out to say, hey, join up, when in actuality it wasn't. They had an occupied hood here in Nashville. Gave the address. Come on out. Look up the address. That's at Vanderbilt. Oh, black people ain't no Vanderbilt. That's white folk. Same thing in Atlanta. Brother said down there. He came on out. White folk. White activists. And they say this leaderless. Stop lying. How can we trust you when you approach us with lies? See, people, they are no better than their parents. They are no better than their parents. They are liars. They are deceivers. And we have to call that out and point that out to them and to us who foolishly follow the lies of the liar and watch where that gets you. Watch where that gets you. Someone had to come and set it up. The thinking, the mind of where Occupy Wall Street had to come from somebody, Occupy the Hood, had to come from somebody. It wasn't just some words just out there floating in space and just appeared. It don't work like that. You got to come real or don't come at all. We have to organize people with the understanding of nobody cares about our reality but us. But us. And we cannot allow anybody to dictate our agenda. If we let them dictate our agenda, we might as well go back and say, Yasa Masa, Yasa Masa, this is what we want and this is what we don't want, Masa. But time is out for that. So we have to reflect on what our issues really are and then how we go about gaining them. Otherwise, we will always be a tool for any goddamn group that stands up and says, we want to protest against injustice. We want to protest against the banks, and we want to protest against the bailouts, and da 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 Because we've been suffering before the bailouts. We've been suffering, and we're still suffering. One white lady said, you know, she used to be the rich, 
the white, the, the middle class with money and poor folks. Did you say, now I'm with the poor people. So I'm out here protesting. Because now my house ain't worth nothing. Shit, we ain't had a house to begin with. So our main problem is sovereignty, not civil rights. It's sovereignty. We cannot allow them to give us what they want our issue to be. Do you really think that they're going to fight for, with us to be sovereign, to not to be aligned with them? Our issues and their issues is two different issues. And we got to be honest today. Don't allow them to speak for us. Don't allow Cornell West to get in there and tell us we need to be out there. For what? Leaderless. For what? To get our ass beat? For what? We done been down that road. To get beat up to go over a bridge? No, man. We ain't getting beat up. You hit us today, we're going to knock you on your ass. This ain't the 60s. This ain't the 40s, the 50s, the 30s. No, this is 2011. We got to say for real what the issue is and what we want and go to war with the enemy till they give us what we need. Ain't no more begging. Ain't no more time out for that. God damn it, it's 2011. Don't go down there with your enemy because you're going to go down with the enemy. Think about the civil rights movement. What did you gain? But what did the leaders of them gain? They gained riches. The Jews made big, and they left us standing in the fucking road. Think about what you're doing before you align yourself up with a group that don't give a goddamn about you or your people. And I'm telling you, too, and keeping it real 100%, always have and always will. That's not our fight. I don't give a damn about what them banks do. Shit, we've been suffering before the banks like I've been saying, and we're still going to be suffering if we don't come together on that issue of sovereignty. And it's the issue of why are we there? What do we want? What have we demanded? Last night in Boston, in Dudley Square in the Roxbury neighborhood of Boston, that area was transformed um, into an open-air public forum for black and Latina residents. The meeting was called Occupy the Hood. It included speeches and messages of solidarity with Occupy Boston from the more than 400 people that gathered there for three hours. Um, And I want to say to Jamal Crawford, who is the editor and publisher of The Blackstonian, who emceed uh, the program last night, that um, it was a good job. Uh, it was list, uh, list after list of community organizers, ministers, teachers, students, and workers. And the speakers artic- articulated issues mainly racially segregated neighborhoods face, including unemployment, the criminal offender record uh, information quarry program, police uh, brutality, foreclosures, lack of diversity in city government, lack of educational opportunities, racial profiling, redistricting, budget cuts, housing, 
human services, civic engagement, and racism. And I thought that Tomashi Jackson and Jamal Crawford did a good job. And when I say, when I call these people's names, they are of the Jacob generation, the Jacobians, I call them, the young black and Latino <clears throat> professionals who have begun to organize in this community. But one of the things I get concerned about is it seems as though in other communities where we're talking about uh, occupying the hood, that we're simply talking about the same kind of kumbaya integration of the effort um, in 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 and it becomes occupy whatever, and that's happening in Pittsburgh and it's happening in Boston. But one of the things that I noted last night at the Occupy the Hood um, gathering in Boston was that there really was, it was a meeting. It was a community meeting, and um, the whole issue of Occupy um, struck people, and they came out. Our number is 347-838-9852. We're asking the question, what are we demanding? What must we do and what must we demand of the occupied movement growing in this country? 517, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Hey, what's going on? <clears throat> Hello? Hello, I'm here. Good to hear <laughs> from you. Oh, it's it's nice to, that we're we're on the almost the same page here. Um, <laughs> first of all, my name is Gangster Ace from the Gangster Ace Ra- er, and Ravens Radio Show, off of Blog Talk my, uh, for myself. But well, welcome, my real name, well, thank you. Well, my real name is Drew. Um, I'm a uh, the founder of Band and uh, Band of Brothers, which is not an organization, it's not a movement, but it is a group of United States people that's coming together, which is... In what part for, of the country? Um, in, we're, we're starting off in Michigan, right where I'm from, um, in Lansing, Michigan, the capital. Uh-huh. Um, and we're, we're trying to get all kinds of people. You know, it don't, our, our group doesn't matter on color. It has to do that we're against racism altogether. And right now I've been claimed to be part of the Ku Klux Klan just because of my color. And that that that's one thing that really gets me. You know, that's not what we're out here doing. We're trying to stand up against racism, you know, and uh-huh. you know, I I don't like the fact because we got more important stuff to be worrying about. You know, and like what's is, the more you know, important what do we worry about? Let's let's try to, to Drew. Let's try to separate the stuff. What are we worried about, and what are the more important things we ought to be worried about in, that you're speaking of? Well, the the one thing, the one biggest thing that we got right now that that we're trying to work on is what the government's doing right now and what the police force is doing, and that's our uh, pretty much our main goal at this point. Um, our okay. other goals are to split up, you know, and, and, and stop this whole racist factor of people 
the Ku Klux Klan saying they're going out there to kill people, and the Black Panthers saying they're going to go out there and kill people. We're against that kind of stuff right there. And um, I don't know if you were watching on YouTube, but there's another thing that shocked me, and it kind of got me in the worry that the United States is going to be like China, where a little kid got hit, and nobody even got arrested for it. Uh, nobody in uh, who was walking past this little kid, this kid was two years old, got hit by not one but two vehicles, and nobody mm-hmm. saved this kid, suffered two people. Two people well, actually picked up let the me, kid. Let know? me respond to you, and I've got to go to other call, callers, Drew, and I'm glad that you joined us tonight. But with your organization, one of the things that we do have to work out in this country is where people fall out of their own experiences. Yeah. And I haven't heard that the, I mean, we know what the Ku Klux Klan does. The Black Panther Party has been over for almost 25 years, so I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, Uh, And I know. They're still still alive and well. Actually, no, actually they are not. They actually are. You, you, you uh, no, go on Talk Radio right now. And no, you, no, you, you no, 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 no. Drew, time out. Um, the Black Panther Party that was established in the 60s is over. You are talking about a whole other organization. That's not the Black Panther Party that had a 10-point program platform. Okay. That's not the Black Panther Party of uh, Mumia Abdul-Jabbar. That's not the Black Panther Party of Huey Newton and Bobby Seale. You see, okay. so let, let's be clear about that. But I think that your organization does have to deal with the issue of race in this country. I think every yeah. organization that wants to work for peace and justice in this country to make sure to ensure that our governmental entities are participating in a democratic uh, process that you do have to deal with race. But I I want to wish you well with both your radio show and with your organization. I think that young men like you need to study. They need to work hard and understand the, the bifurcated nature of justice in this country. Mm-hmm. And it is bifurcated by race and by ethnicity and it is bifurcated by class. So I hope you'll join us every Saturday night. You're certainly welcome. And and thank you so very much uh for your call. I've got to get to another caller and um you know, just stay on it. And and be focused. You know, in the 60s we used to say you keep your eye on the prize and mm-hmm. you hold on. You don't capitulate. You don't compromise. You move towards solutions, things that are going to make a difference in the lives of people who have been oppressed in this country, who continue to be occupied. So as yeah. we move into the Occupy movement, we've got to have our eye on the prize. It's not just a matter of getting in the street and yelling and screaming. It is not a a matter of changing the system, but transforming the system. You got me? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, you're a young brother. You you just stay with it. But don't allow, don't don't get it twisted uh, between the difference of the realities of it and what you hear on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Thank thank you, young brother, for for your for your call. And oh, you're uh, we hope you'll. You'll, we hope you'll join us, and um, we have a chat room, and you're you're certainly invited into our chat yeah, room. Yeah, I'm tonight. not able to get on that right now. Uh, my computer blew up in my face a couple of days ago. But, okay, uh, so you, you want to be on hold because you're on a uh, smartphone device? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so very much. We're going to go to 404, 404. You're on the air. I respect you. Four or four. Hey, four. hey Thank Janet. you for your call. Hey, Sarah. Janet, how are you? How are you? <laughs> you're, I, you're I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm, I'm still out here on the road. I'm at one of these little um, raggedy little places here. But I, I, I turned off my my internet stuff at home, so I have to take my um computer with me on my laptop. Where I go to one of these little places. I got one of these little ear cards. I'm about to get that because. Mm-hmm. We're trying to streamline everything at home. We're trying to cut back on everything, so we're not going to be working to pay these people any any kind of extra I money. I know, and, and <laughs> yep, connection gets more expensive and more expensive. And I noted the other day that Comcast had made a donation to the Obama campaign of five hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a commitment of five hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, so you when he was out we're not getting any relief anytime soon. Remember What's on your mind tonight, uh, Sarah? Oh, that, that much. No, what I was going to mention that you know when he had his little um, vacation this past summer, he did have the CEO went to the CEO's house for dinner. So those are the, those are the things we need to keep in mind. But you know, I'm glad that you talked to this that young man that was on the phone that you kind of helped him straighten out because white people are always trying to be good intention and they always like to come come into a situation in the middle of it and they don't want to go back and look at the past as well as look at what it was ahead. You mm-hmm. might be trying to work um the young um person might be trying to work in his group and what I always tell white people that you want to do if you want to do something to resolve the problem with racism, you you got to start within your community and within your circle of people and work on eradicating it there. You cannot talk about um about the black side of it because you don't know what's going on from the black side. We can tell you what all uh, we can tell you from both sides of the angle what's really going on and race has always been a factor. This country was founded on racism and it has always been a factor. People might want to bring in classism and all this other isms into it now, but at the bottom of it all the base of this whole thing has always been race. And so you, you might not want to see it and don't admit it, but race has always been there. Well, you see, the thing is that I think that people, you know, that's at the heart of my concern about how we get distracted and we get sucked into places and events and movements that ultimately don't serve us well. Exactly. Um, And I I was very pleased at the Occupy the Hood um, uh, uh, event that I attended last night, yesterday. 
uh, here in Boston, Occupy the Hood Boston. It was held in an area where the residents are predominantly black and Latino. Mm-hmm. Um, there seemed to have been a shared concern about issues that are right in their face. Mm-hmm. Uh, unemployment. I mean, um, <clears throat> there were some city officials who dropped by. Of course they dropped by because they don't understand the, the dialogue that's going on. And and these were young people who organized it. But we still have an issue of there are things for which we must demand transformation and we are not seeing the organization necessary, the infrastructure being put into place in our communities to, for that transformation. I, you know, we can you. occupy as much as we want on Wall Street, but guess what? If they shut down the Federal Reserve System tomorrow, if they uh, put handcuffs on 100 people who were at the helm of this disaster that America is has been victimized by. Poor people who are black, their circumstances would not change. I agree with you. Um, I agree with you 110%. If they elected you president of the United States oh, no. tomorrow, <laughs> it will mean nothing. But what means something is when we occupy our school board meetings, when we occupy the community-based organizations Mm -hmm. that are simply holding cells for our children rather than um, inspiration of achievement and learning. That is where we need to occupy. And and that is not that I don't see the positive nature. I mean, I will, as an individual, benefit from Occupy Wall Street if they ever get their, ever get any demands in front of the right people. That is quite but the true. children that need something, that need the transformation, the communities that demand our an urgency of our attention, they are not getting it. I agree, Janice, because I was watching um, a few of the Occupy movements on a couple of the YouTube videos that they put up, and I believe it was somewhere else on the West Coast, and it showed where the community got involved, and one of the actions that they took was against um, Bank of America because I saw a bunch of churches. They divest all of churches, law firms, individuals. They came together as a group. And they went ahead and they withdraw all of their money and they move their money into credit unions, sending a clear message to these banks that, you know, this is part of what we're going to do in our community in order as part of this Occupy movement. Now, that is going to see immediate results because now these people are going to really be in a panic. Like I've been saying all along, I said between now and next year, Bank of America is going to go belly up as well as Citibank. Those two are going out. They're going to be history. Well, you know, the thing is that we've been encouraging people. uh, There are a couple of things that we can do, Sarah. We can do immediately. We didn't have to go, we didn't have to 
go on to the street to do it. One is there is no reason why a conscious person still has their money in, in Bank of America. Any one of the or banks. any bank that was part of the TARP. Mm-hmm. Because those banks have not changed. No, our, not. Money sh- our money should be going into community credit, credit unions. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. You know, everybody, I, I want people to really understand, and this is why I have taken the time tonight not to have a guest, but to talk about some things we really need to get to. Every credit union is not a community-based credit union. Get that straight first. But you need to be looking at credit unions that are investing in independent and grassroots businesses and projects in your community. And there are some in every major urban area. You need to take your money out of Bank of, uh, Bank of America, out of Chase, out of any bank. The other thing is we need to stop. We need to, you know, we're coming up on the date um, um, of, um, I call it the a day of mourning, which is people call it Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And we're coming up on... Christmas, we shouldn't be doing any business with the big ones, Kmart, Home Depot. You shouldn't um, buy any, period, um, Janice. You know, thank you. All of these people thank you. Who, go, who like to go into debt, because this, these people make their money for these last two months in the year, and what you need to do as an example for this year, don't buy anything. Black Friday, don't even go and stand in line. Don't buy anything because... There is nothing to celebrate for Thanksgiving. If you want to get your family together, you all sit around, you reminisce, you talk over food and drink and enjoy each other's company, then that's fine. But getting together just to go as a group to hit up all of these stores to get all of these sales, you're that's being right. a doggone fool. You are being Walmart, very, very foolish. Targets, BJ's, Costco's, just take the next one of them. Two months and say you're not going to be a consumer. Because when that happens, it will shake the foundation of the people who benefit from us continuing to participate in this fraud. And another thing I want to say, Sarah, I wouldn't do business right now. I'm checking with anybody. I I had a, a, a landscape person I was talking to on the phone about doing some work. I asked him, are you a member of the Boston Chamber of Commerce? He said, no. I said, good, because I would not do business with you because they are a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I'm not doing any business with any business who's a member of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Commerce. That's That's right. That's right, because you need to talk about um, the United um, Citizens um, thing, which was all funded by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and they drag right. them all in with all of these little state affiliates. So we have got to be smart, um, Janice, because we've been taught as consumers, as black people, we spend too much money. And I've been trying to get my sister to see this stuff that y'all are doing with your head, walking around here looking like peacocks, walking around here looking like an unnatural-looking Negro. Y'all need to cut this foolishness out. You keep hearing about all of these places where people are breaking into these shops, stealing weeds and doing all this funky stuff with your head. Spending four and eight hundred dollars to go and get one of these lace front or whatever the heck these people call this stuff that they put on their heads, all these different colors that they're running around in. It is totally unnatural for you to do these things to your hair. Some people don't even know what their own hair, their, their hair that they were born with, what it feels like because they always have chemicals on their hair. 
Well, well, well you see, the thing, the, the, the thing is that we've, we've, there are a lot of intricate issues inside our complex issues. You know what I mean? Yes, and the thing is. is, we've got to be, if we are going to be self-determining, we've got to determine what it is that we need to do. For instance, if every black person said, the heck with it, I'm not shopping at Walmart to save $10. Mm-hmm. And if every black per- conscious black person, people, I'm not talking about people that don't know any better, conscious black people absolutely did that, somebody would pay attention. It would. If every conscious... I mean, Occupy uh, Occupy Wall Street, all the people who are employed, who are occupying Wall Street, if they all just marched into their human resources office and said, I want to change my W-4 and changed it to 12, 12 Mm -hmm. dependents, it would starve the government for a couple of months. It sure will. Because, like you said, Working in around finances, and, and, and like I have done in the past, and I've told people this over and over again, you always have the power in your pocketbook. These these days of organizing these marches and marching across bridges and doing all this stuff that we did in the 60s, those times have long come and gone. What Everything could be done with a stroke of a pen at your computer. You sit up there, you pull up your account, and you go ahead and you go through it and you organize it. Like I tell mm-hmm. people, like all of these luxuries that we had, and like I said, I started off with the, with the cable at home, the, um, the the home phones that's gone. I'm trimming up, you know, XM radios getting ready to go too, and it's gone because like um, I'm only paying like we were, we were only paying for XM radio. The only person I listened to um, Janice on that radio was the GW show. So I was paying for like for five hours a week because I don't listen to none of the others on there. I don't even listen to Mark Thompson anymore because I can't stand Mark Thompson anymore the way that he has turned out. Lately, these past few years, the road that he has gone down, I can't, I can't stomach him anymore. So I stopped listening to his show. But the only time I listen to him is when on Wednesday, when Bruce or Glenn comes on and Black Agenda Report, as well as Black commentators, I try and hear what they have to say for maybe that but, half but, hour but, or hour. Okay, let me make another point, something that I've been thinking about, and I want people to hear me very clearly. Um, most of you know that I spent most of my radio career, uh, the 20 years, on terrestrial radio. But Internet radio is a very useful tool. If, in fact, we supported Black Agenda Report, the black commentator, our common ground, I mean, if we supported independent media, uh, the Alpha Show, Lion's Den, India Declare, we could have an Internet radio station very similar to XM, and you wouldn't have to pay. That's right. You see, but, but we are not supporting the, you know, we say we want to be free, and my question is, do we really want to be free? Can we handle it? Can it be Jenny? part of our reality? Janice, that is why I said I'm cutting out all of these things because, like, all of these blog shows, like yours and Alpha and all that I said I was going to do, I'm going to go ahead and put you all on my donation list start giving money to your station. I said all of this money that I'm wasting, paying out all of these people, 
And most of the time, I don't even turn on the XM radio and they're just sitting up there paying these people like over a hundred and some dollars. I'm paying a year for for a program that I'm listening to maybe five hours a week. It's a waste of money. And like you said, y'all need the money. There are a lot of good conscious black shows that are on that are on the internet that are that absolutely to keep the platform going. Absolutely. So, I mean, between Pacifica Radio, Black Agenda Report Radio and um, five or six others. I mean, uh, Dr. Uh, Renoko Rashidi is about to do, on November 5th, I think it is, he has been doing online classes on African history and culture. He is one of the preeminent experts on African history. Our history, not something somebody made up and said, this is it. And there are things that we can do, folks, to be free, to liberate ourselves without government intervention, without government doing anything, without worrying about whether it's going to be Barack Obama or Mitt Romney, God forbid, or what Barack Obama does. He's doing his thing. We, well, we, think we have gotta... always known that there is that we ha- we are operating under a shadow government. That's we right. have already always known that. We have no, you know, one of the things I worry about with Occupy Wall Street is, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll say it again: infiltration, co-opting, and 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 it will be a democratic movement, a democratic committee movement a national democratic party movement in three weeks. It it has been illustrated. um, What do we have? If we think that these people here that's popping up all over the place, if these people have not already been infiltrated or or co-opted this movement, then we are being very disingenuous and very naive because there are already subversive forces already on the ground. And my gut instinct, and that is one reason why I never went out to any one of these occupied things because I believe it's it's a draw in to get you in there because I can see a lot of people going in there, they're gonna crack down, eventually gonna crack down on this because it the weather is getting cold. These people are not gonna be out there in the snow when 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 the weather gets cold. This stuff is gonna fizzle out. They better get the stuff together what they plan on doing because it will it will get cold within the next few weeks coming up. Well, you know, the the thing is that we have got to learn from our history and we always say, you know, people love to say if you if you don't know your history, then you don't know where you're going and those are nice little things to say, but it has to be real. These people have not honored. I mean, we are acting there are some black people out here acting like there was never a poor people's march. There was never a poor people's occupation across the street from the White House for months mm-hmm. led by black people. And we are yes. acting like this is something new. For us, this is not new. What is, is new is that our issues, our priorities, and our demands are going to get co-opted in all of this. It is going to be co-opted, Janet, because you're saying the right thing. Look what happened with the civil rights movement. We got pushed aside with the gay, the women's rights uh, movement. They came and they co-opted 
this is the whole civil rights movement has shoved this out the way, and this is the same thing that I'm seeing here because the, the spokespeople, they all want to be white because I'm, I'm monitoring what's going on back in Atlanta, back in Philly, and other places, and they're saying the same thing, that the whites want to be in, involved in the Yoruba movement when they're planning their planning recessions, but you can't go to their meetings, and when you go there, you're feeling unwelcome, and they're saying all kinds of negative things about you. See, well, look what they I, did to John Lewis in Atlanta, the Occupy Atlanta group. Look what they did to John Lewis, as though uh, he has nothing to do with this. We have to begin to understand that we have to honor our own, not only our own people, but we have to we have to honor we have to honor our history and the spirit in which people have died to ensure that we have a voice and when we when we lend that voice to somebody else it no longer becomes our voice yeah janice you are right on that the only thing with with john lewis and with the rest of them like i said john lewis co-opted himself a lot of the black leadership have co-opted themselves with the election of this self-identified black man in the white house they have co-opted themselves they have sold their voices they have not said anything they have all went along with this plan for all these wars and these invasions. They have all signed off on it in Congress. They have all did the authorization, the reauthorization um, with this Patriot Act um, that they have done. You, you know, they have done a whole lot of stuff that they marched against. They have sat there behind up in Congress, and they have sat back on their hands, and they have let it happen again. So, so I don't have much to say about these people out there. They could all come out and, you know, talk their rhetoric. But they all sat up there and they authorized this stuff that's going on right now. They yeah, yeah. yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Sarah, hey, listen, um, I hope you'll join us on Friday night on our special at 10 p.m. on voter suppression with oh, uh, Judith Brown Dianus. Um, she is going to be with us, and we're going to talk about some things that we must do. You know, for instance... If you want to have a revolution, which Occupy Wall Street says it's a revolution, you revolt on the things that are right in front of you. I don't hear Occupy Wall Street talking about suing the United States government for failing to protect the law having to do with the civil rights of people in voting. You are very Where right about that? that. You are right Where about that. Where is because that? All of this rollback that they're doing, pretty soon them same people sitting out there and occupied, they're going to have to recite the Constitution and the Bill of Rights before they could get into that room to vote because that's where these people are trying to head back to. Exactly. When I, spoke, when I spoke at the Boston uh, um, um, Occupy Hood Boston last night, one of the things I said is that we can't stand here and ignore or forget that Troy Davis was murdered by the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. He was executed without due process. That's right. And we can, you know, all of these things, and and it is not to say that we can't multi-think, and that's why tonight I'm saying we have to occupy our black minds. We can't, we, we have to multitask. But we can't, and we cannot forget 
all of those things that we have said never forget this year. Oscar Grant, Sean Bell. Where are those things in all of this? Do we, you know, and the question really becomes, Sarah, how do we avoid getting lost in all of this? You're right, Sarah. Thank you so much, Janice. I will definitely be listening to your show of priority. That's what. Do you need to be on hold too? Do you need to be on hold? Yes, ma'am. You can put me on hold. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, thank all of you. You're listening to Our Common Ground. It's uh, our night uh, for open mic, 347-838-9852. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to tell you about some programming that's coming up here at Our Common Ground. This is not a war zone. This is not a war zone. These are unarmed people. It doesn't make you tough to hurt these people. It doesn't make you tough to hurt these people. It doesn't. I don't care. I don't care about these people. I, I put in my word. It doesn't lie. It does not make you tough to hurt these people. There's nothing tough about it. Nothing. If you want to go fight, go to Iraq and Afghanistan. But you want to be here hurting U.S. citizens. Where is that in the contract? Where is that in the contract? Leave these people alone. They're U.S. citizens. U.S. citizens. U.S. citizens. U.S. It does not make you want to do this to them. It doesn't. Stop hurting these people, man. Why y'all do this to our people? You're tuned in to Our Common Ground. Thank you for being with us. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Transforming truth to power one broadcast at a time. Have we looked at looked into the eyes of evil, pure evil, and said to ourselves, what is this country coming to? What have these bigoted rapes, and I'll repeat it, bigoted rapes. Anybody wants to challenge me on that? Have that, have that. Bring your own rocks and your A game. The Albums Show. Truth Works Network. Truth is spoken until it's done. you want a wish to come true, never tell anyone. But there is one wish that can make the difference between life and death. And this wish can only come true if you tell someone. Please let your family know you want to be an organ donor. Listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham, 
And our number is 347-838-9852. Tonight we are talking about occupying your own black mind. How about that? Um, In our chat room, you can join us, blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. And we want to uh, welcome um, Shaka Zulu and house music lover, East Coast, uh, and some guests, and Alpho of the Alpho Show. I want to tell you a little about what we're doing um, this week at coming up at Our Common Ground on Friday night. We are doing a special Our Common Ground to talk about the issue of the new black tax poll. You know what a poll is? Do you remember the times in the 40s and 50s in many places across the country? Most people think it just happened in in the South, but it happened also in the Midwest and the West and um, some of the urban cities where black people who had the right to vote uh, would appear for registration for voting. And they would be given ridiculous kinds of tests. One of the tests uh, in the South that was popular was that uh, pennies were put in a jar of water and soap suds. And the test was that in order to be registered to vote, you had to count the exact number of pennies in the jar. That was a poll tax, a voter's poll tax. Uh, The other was that people who clearly did not have reading skills had to read from a section of an encyclopedia and it had to be a literate reading from the um, from the section. And if you could not do that, then you could not register to vote. Well, in 1965, Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, civil, the the Voting Rights Act, and. Um, We are now facing a campaign nationwide that would influence in a very negative way the right to vote and in many instances would violate the Voting Rights Act for poor and black people in this country. The Advancement Project has been doing a lot of work and research and study on what these campaigns do, how they operate, and what will they and they, what they will mean, and translating them to violations and helping organizations like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law to bring action against uh, these states and these counties. Because it's not just happening at the state level, it's happening at the county and the city level in places that you probably never heard of. So on Friday night at 10 p.m. here at Our Common Ground, we will be meeting with you with Judith Brown Dionis, who is the co-director 
of the Advancement Project. And then on Saturday night in our regular programming at 10 p.m. right here at Our Common Ground, we will be talking about the Black Megachurch. The book is there. Tamalyn Tucker Wargs, who specializes in African American politics, race, and politics, African American religion and public policy, gender and politics, and urban politics, uh, will be with her. Us. Her current research has focused on the Black megachurch phenomenon and faith-based community development. And her book is the Black Megachurch. It is the best empirical study of black megachurches and politics covering 149 churches. And she shows in a very astute way their wide variety and relates their theological orientation to the types of public engagement they undertake. And she will be with us next Saturday night, and we certainly hope that you will join us for both of those events. We are going to take your calls at 347-838-9852, talking about the issue of Occupy, um, the Occupy movement in this country. And let's take a look at our former guests, um, um, Tim Wise, as he talks on the Rachel Maddow show on uh, yesterday with um, Melissa Harris-Lee. In recent weeks, there's been a great deal of criticism directed at the Occupy Wall Street movement for not having a clearly articulated policy agenda. Come to think of it, one of those critics was me. But today, a number of Occupy Wall Street protesters took on a very clear public policy, the New York City Police Department's policy of stop and frisk. Stop and frisk is very much what it sounds like. It gives police the power to confront, question, and search whomever they deem suspicious, something they felt the need to do over 600,000 times last year. Reportedly, 85% of those stopped and frisked were black and Latino. So that's why, for time today, some of the people who've been occupying Wall Street joined those occupying Federal Douglas Boule Frederick Douglass Boulevard in Harlem. Stop it, Frick, don't stop the crime! Stop it, Frick, it is the crime! Stop it, Frick, don't stop the crime! Stop it, Frick, it is the crime! Stop and Frisk is the crime. A few dozen protesters gathered in and around the NYPD's 28th precinct, some even using the Occupy protest traditional people's mic to tell their stories of police harassment. And after protesters blockaded the precinct, arrests began, including that of my former Princeton University colleague, Professor Cornell West. What happened today not only flies in the face of those who claim Occupy Wall Street has no policy goals, it also challenges another criticism of the now worldwide protests, that it is largely a monochromatic movement that is not very diverse and not particularly interested in questions of racial inequality. You just don't go to Harlem and march through the projects protesting stop and frisk if you're not interested in dealing with racial bias on some level. But questions still remain about how a broad-based global movement like this has and will continue to address the ways that economic inequality and racial and ethnic inequality are intertwined. This economy, as hard as it's been on everyone who isn't part of that 1%, it's hit black and Latino communities the hardest. 
The wealth gap was a crack in the ground compared to the canyon it became after the financial crisis. In real terms, you cannot talk about economic inequality in America without addressing race. Today, at least part of this new movement plainly and openly protested at the intersection of race and abuse of power by law enforcement. And they did it in Harlem. So what does this mean for the future of the Occupy movements and for the focus of the Occupy Wall Street? Joining us now is Tim Wise, an educator, anti-racist advocate, and the author of White Like Me, Reflections on Race from a Privileged Son. Tim, it is so good to see you again. It is very good to see you. So I saw you earlier this week and um, when you were at Tulane, where I now teach and where you uh, graduated. Uh, and I want to ask you a couple of questions about the Occupy movement. Sure. The first is really about this language of Occupy. Now, now many indigenous Native American communities are, are pretty concerned about the language of occupation. I mean, after all, we, we just finished our occupation in, uh, in Iraq. What does it mean to occupy versus decolonizing Wall Street? I think that's important. I mean, the people of color I've been speaking to around the country, particularly indigenous activists, have been very clear, A, about their support for the goals and, uh, and the larger narrative of the Occupy movement, but at the same time saying, you know, you have to be careful. When you choose language like Occupy, what you forget, particularly if you are a white activist, uh, is that white folks have been occupying Manhattan, including lower Manhattan, for hundreds of years. It's not really new. And when they go home from the park and Wall Street, uh, wherever they may go home to, if it's Greenwich Village, if it's Uptown, if it's the West Side, wherever it is, they're still going to be occupying uh, what was indigenous land. So that is a, that is a site of long-standing racial injustice. And it's important to have that narrative. It's not just a historical matter. It is a matter of contemporary reality if we are trying to build a solidarity movement we just have to be clear that we're trying to decolonize a colonized and occupied place not just reoccupy it for better purposes now, now speaking of, of a little bit of history I want to ask you a bit about your own history you were an activist at Tulane that's really where you first cut your teeth on this work doing kind of the right. divestment from apartheid South Africa work tell me right. a little bit about how that work like the Occupy work now can help to reveal aspects of white privilege and the meaning of, of race work in trying to build progressive commitments and community. Sure. Well, I think what, what I learned from that work, and that's been about two decades now um, ago, was that many times even those of us who are uh, radical and progressive and have all of the right politics in our mind, whatever that means, sometimes manifest both tactics and a narrative that can be off-putting to people of color and that can sometimes prevent us from building the kind of solidarity we need. So in our case, uh, you know, it was choosing tactics of, of uh, occupying buildings, risking arrest very cavalierly, uh, going on hunger strike, which for those of us who were white, I guess, was, you know, we sort of saw that as cool. For a lot of people of color, they were like, okay, good luck with that whole getting arrested thing. Let us know how that works <laughs> out for you. We don't have the same experience with cops that you do. We also don't have the same experience with hunger and economic deprivation. So we're not going to voluntarily starve ourselves, but good luck with that. And the reason I say that now and that it's important. I'm not saying that's what the Occupy folks are all about. I think today's right. development in Harlem is fantastic. But what it suggests is we have to be mindful when we are trying to build a cross-racial movement for social, economic, and political justice, that we don't choose tactics that are going to be, for some people, extremely risky. I mean, getting arrested does not mean the same thing when you are white as opposed to when you are black and brown in this country. And that really brings it down to the question of what do we demand, how do we frame the issues, and how do we get this Occupy movement 
to embrace them. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. You can reach us to join in this conversation at 347-838-9852. I think Tim Wise um, really brought the point home that for in our community, this is the perspectives and the experience is so different that how we participate must, in fact, be different. You know, one of the things that you probably have noted while you've been watching the coverage of the Occupy movement across the country, and if you have demonstrated and marched in the Occupy movement, as some of you have, it's obvious that the police and the corporate press serve as guards, buffers, between the vast majority of the American people and the ruling Corporate, corporate empire, the partnership of giant corporations, uh, the wealthy elite, and their collaborating politicians. In addition to the police and the corporate press, there are millions of other guards employed by the this imperial entity to keep people obedient and to maintain the status quo. And I've been wondering, and I don't know about you, is should one of the um, strategies be to somehow convince these these guards, the police, the uh, National Guard, the whoever they call out, the, whoever these people are in these strange-looking uniforms, SWAT teams, um, protective gear, riot gear, um, that they you're really marching for them. Um, and the question is, their job is to keep people obedient and to maintain the status quo. But what, let's let's let me ask you this: House music lover, uh, Shaka, um, those of you in the in that might be that are in the chat room, and those of you who are listening, even a partial revolt of the guards could increase the number of protesters on the streets from the thousands to the millions. Um, I pulled something that Howard Zinn wrote in his book, The Coming Revolt of the Guards, A People's History of the United States, and this is what he wrote. In a highly developed society, the establishment cannot survive without the obedience and loyalty of millions of people who are given small rewards to keep the system going. The soldiers and police teachers and ministers, administrators and social workers, technicians and production workers, doctors, lawyers. They become the guards of the system, buffers between the upper and lower classes. If they stop obeying, guess what? And that's, that's me, me um, highlighting 
the system fails. The system fails. For instance, in the clip that many in the audio and the the video uh, news reports of uh, Sergeant Shamar Thomas, I think his name is, the young um, veteran uh, who took on the police officers at Occupy Wall Street or Occupy Brooklyn or wherever they were occupying, who simply said to them, this is not a war zone. Why are you trying to hurt these people? These are American citizens. I mean, they were absolutely stunned by the way in which this man alerted them to the truth. You know, I talk about uh, it all the time. The truth that you know but you do not know you know. These officers, if you saw the clip, if you saw the uh, video, these officers were absolutely stunned because it was at that moment that this giant of a black man stood in front of them and said, these people are not trying to hurt you, they are trying to help you. They got it. It was their got it moment. But then I wonder, on the other hand, from my own experience, and uh, for our young caller who called in earlier, this is where experience comes in. If there had not been cameras there, what would and how would those police officers responded to this black man who was clearly in their face? want to hear from you. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two, because he was clearly in their face. They were stunned by the things that they knew, but they did not know that they knew. And isn't that always the case? So I go back to this whole notion where Howard Zinn writes, and if you have not read this book, we recommend it, The Coming Revolt of the Guards, A People's History of the United States. He writes, they become the guards of the system. And he's not only talking about police officers, he's talking about the negligent teachers that have allowed our children to become and to to. to go through a educational system and still be illiterate. He's talking about the doctors who have put bureaucracy over the benefit of children in our community who have not spoken out against EPA violations and public housing and private housing and Section 8 housing. He's talking about the lawyers who go in and do plea deals for young men who are clearly innocent. They Don't let me forget, he's talking about the ministers who speak truth to an aluminum pan that gets passed around every morning somewhere around noon or 1230. 
He's talking about soldiers who come back from war and simply cannot disengage from a sense of violence and then combine it with what they've heard in their homes all of their lives and become police officers. He's talking about social workers. He's talking about production workers. He says in his book, they become the guards of the system, buffers between the upper and lower classes. If they stop obeying, the system fails. I saw a young sister who is the secretary of EPA of... um, the EPA on uh, the Bill Maher show. And I, for the life of me, could not figure out how much further compromise and talking points she can muster up as her whole agency is under attack. So who are we, and who do we occupy? We are still under occupation. You're listening to Our Common Ground, 347-838-9852, and I'm telling you, house music lover, I know your style. You're going to call here about five minutes before it's time to shut down. And I won't be having it. Right, Alpha? I also want to tell you about some things we're doing at Our Common Ground Broadcast. Our Common Ground Broadcast is the arm of what I have done for 20 years. It is the communications company under which Our Common Ground does its broadcast. And as many of you know, more than a year ago, we opened up a network uh, channel here on Internet Radio called TruthWorks Network, and it's located with studios right here at Blog Talk Radio. We are doing a lot of changes. We've done some good work at TruthWorks, the Alpha show, which airs at 3 p.m. on Saturdays. Alpha has become one of the finest. It's the nexus between the facts and common sense as he analyzes, pushes back on the political events of the day. He is just doing a fine job, and I want to publicly thank him uh, for his dedication. We we finally am starting to form TruthWorks in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that I have always envisioned, and the Alpha Show is the um, uh, landmark show of TruthWorks Network, and if you have not heard Alpha at TruthWorks Network, you should. You have missed, and you can certainly catch him on demand. He knows the facts. He brings the common sense. He pushes back, and at the end of it all, he says, just damn, and he is one fine broadcaster. Um, We also have had a show that we call... Listen and Learn, uh, Power Views, which 
broadcast at 10 p.m. on Monday nights. And we have brought some of the finest black consciousness documentaries, lectures, interviews uh, from all over the place. Uh, And you certainly, um, if you want to take African American Studies 101, it is Power Views. We feature Bell Hooks, Jared Bow, Cornell West. Uh, Dr. Henry Clark, Uh, we have featured, uh, we have a series called the Great Black Expositors Series, where we feature people like Dr. Amos Wilson and Dr. Naeem Akbar, and the work of the audio documentaries about and of Malcolm X and Marcus Garvey, and James Baldwin. So we hope that you will join them. Um, But this is what's happening at TruthWorks. It's starting to come out. We published our first newsletter to our, what I call, the TruthWorks Posse uh, on Friday because we now have five nights of programming at TruthWorks Network. All of the changes will take place beginning November 3rd where we're bringing in, enter the lion's den, and you no longer can call him lion's den. His new name at TruthWorks Network beginning November 3rd is LDX. I hope you all get that. I hope he gets that. (laughs) That um, enter the lion's den will be joining us on uh, Thursdays and Friday nights. Uh, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. at TruthWorks Network, and we certainly welcome LDX and Information Man. They had a hot show today, a really hot show today. So, um, And it's getting better, and it's going to be better at TruthWorks because at TruthWorks we reload the truth. We believe that truth must be spoken more than once. And um, Lion's Den with uh, LXD, LDX with uh, Enter the Lion's Den will be joining us on Thursdays and Friday nights. On Monday nights, we're bringing in a new show with Dr. Peter Matthews, Souls of Fire. Uh, We'll be premiering on November 7th. At 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., it is a time to talk about the outliers, people who are just extraordinary in the things that they do and how many of us do things that are extraordinary and we have yet to discover that they are extraordinary. So Souls of Fire with Peter Matthews at TruthWorks Network on Monday night, 9 to 11 p.m. And on Tuesday nights, we're moving Power Views. On Wednesday night, they bring it. I mean, Double Up, who is the DJ on Architects of Change with Elvin Dowling and Friends, even Double Up has me listening to some rap music. 
and um, they they had a wonderful show last Wednesday night talking about men and u- urology health, prostate cancer, taking care of yourself, getting the circumcisions, and uh, they were all up in it uh, on Wednesday night. And Elvin Dowling and Ruben bring it hard and fast. They have a uh, a great DJ. They have a bar- a real bobber who comes in and talks about what they have been talking about in the barbershop uh, during the week. It's a it's a, an extraordinary show, and it airs at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. So there you have it. Monday, Souls of Fire. Tuesday, Power Views. Wednesday, Architects of Change with Elvin Dowling and Friends. Thursday and Friday, Enter the, di- uh, the, the Lion's Den. And on Saturday, um... The Alpha Show, just damn. Truth Works is growing up and growing out. Thank you all for being with us, and we hope that you will join us again in another program note on Saturday, on Friday night, the Voter Suppression Special with Judith Brown Dianus of the Advancement Project. We'll be talking about the new black voting poll tax. And on next Saturday night, we'll have Tamalyn Tucker-Wargs. She is the author of the new book, The Black Megachurch. You're listening to Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham. Our number is 347-838-9852, and we're going to go to our phones. Let me see. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yes, and you know I respect you and yours and the Blog Talk family, uh, Brother Brock of uh, Philadelphia, Brother Pennsylvania. Brock from Philadelphia, PA. How are you? Good to have you with us. Uh, just came back from a theater show with the wife, uh, so I'm, I'm a day late and a dollar short for chiming in on the, on the network this evening, but I'm glad I did make it. And I definitely want to catch the uh, the mega church uh, segment. Uh, what day is that one going to be? That's next Saturday night, October 29th, with Camelon Tucker Wards. Great, 10 great. Uh, I'll make this brief. Uh, on your comment, the only one that I caught since I'm just getting in, uh, the uh, the the uh, the um, protest, the the pushback of the uh, Wall Street. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I was involved with it when it came to Philadelphia only the one, the two times I was off work, uh, I was able to get down there. And I enjoyed it. I, I do wish um, the message would have been, would be more fan, not uh, more uh, related to mom and pop stores it seems like, you know, they talk, we, we, when the message comes out that they want to protest, that we want to protest Wall Street, uh, the underlying message should be the overlying message of support your local business. And so far to this date, I still have not heard that. And mm-hmm. But I don't want to hold that against them. The part that I do hold against the, I guess you can call it the leader of the organization or whoever is, is, is putting the, Media is it, putting the uh, um, information to the media. 
is like the most recently the message was convoluted with a a lot of different protest messages so that when uh, mainstream news asked them, what is your platform, several of the protesters, counterfolk, were, were, were like, no, that's not my message, because they started adding like 20 different things in the mix. So mm-hmm. I think it's getting I, too we, we bad. Talked about that. We talked about that earlier, Brother Brock. Uh, oh, one of the things that I get concerned about is that when you are talking about real change, real transformation, a real revolution, you've got to have a very clear strategy, a very clear leadership set, and a very clear message. And I'm not seeing that. Yeah, and I don't want to talk bad about a group because I'm loving the fact that it's it's growing and it's protesting and it's pushing back. Uh, but at the same time, we I wish it would be one central big message. If you want to protest against Wall Street, then the easiest thing we could all do is support local business, and that would take care of everything. Wall Street, mm-hmm. the government, the government, they would have to respond because. Less money would be going to corporate business, and more money would go to the mom and pops. So but, I think it's. But let me easy. ask you a question, Brother Rock. Let's let, let, let's talk here. Oh yeah. Um, when you, the whole nature of revolution is change, and I'm not clear about how we change anything using under the umbrella of the Occupy movement. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not clear about, I mean, one of the things that, I, I, let's go back to the, the Birmingham bus boycott, okay? And that was a clear message, stop riding the that bus. That was a clear strategy. It clearly impacted the system that the system had to pay attention because the people who rode the buses weren't riding the buses. Yep. So I'm not sure how occupying space other than getting people, other than bringing some awareness. I I agree that they are being very Mm -hmm. successful in bringing awareness that something is broke up in here, that fraud and greed has taken over. And I think a lot of people who who might not think about it, a lot of people who might, uh, I mean, but I'm still, you know you know how my, my system is with my mother. My mother calls me and says, well, she and her friends, they want to know what this Occupy Wall Street is all about. Well, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And and I, other than to say that they are disrupting how people think, because they're not disrupting anything else. I mean, they're spending up they're spending up the the New York City's budget on police. That's clear. New York City's budget on street maintenance and street cleaning and sanitary uh, services. But what are they disrupting? I was hoping what are they stopping that, to happen 
that should not be happening. I was hoping that the the quick central message, since it was Occupy Wall Street, would be to tell us to sell a stock in either one particular company or several companies. And I didn't hear that. And yeah. I thought, you know, that would have been something that could have been pinpointed right with the direct message of the of the title of the protest. So I was yeah. hoping at least to hear that. That's exactly my point. But that's not to say that the way in which this thing has evolved hasn't yep. had some benefit for people trying to seek out, well, what the hell are they talking about? But I don't see I don't see it disrupting. I don't see people changing the way they do things. You know, something as easy as Occupy Wall Street is calling for all persons who subscribe to Comcast to cancel their subscription for a minute, for five days. That would be something because it would disrupt. I don't see them calling for everybody removing their money from the Bank of, of America or Chase or whoever. Exactly. And that, that's what I want to see. I don't want to talk bad about it. I don't want to be negative at all. But I do want, you know, I even wrote it on one of those uh, comments down down at the wall when I was down in Philadelphia at the uh-huh. protest. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. They, you know, they're asking for different items like, you yeah. know, donation or this or that. Yeah. So does it get to the top person that's going to push that exactly. or has exactly. somebody else brought it in? I'm following you it, know, you know, but I don't know. At at at, at a, the Occupy Boston meeting that I went to, I, you know, I said, you know, I come from the old school, and I, I, I've been arrested in the best universities in this country. And the thing is you have to disrupt. And I said that one of the things that I think the local Occupy movement should be doing is is honing in on something. And, you know, for me, my interest is occupy the damn school committee and say to them that you're not letting your children come to school for 10 days until they put together a committee that evaluates the kind of history books we're using in our junior high schools and high schools for black children. However, but if you did that, then now it would be your uh, platform, but it would not be 50 other people's platform. So but we the thing is right that we have, that's what I'm saying, we got to occupy our black minds. And I'm saying for black people, one of the things that is destroying our people is that we haven't, we haven't demanded that our history be, our history be corrected and how we teach it to our children. We are losing ourselves, Brother Brock. You agree about yeah. that, don't you? Oh, we, we just went through that again with we Columbus Day. We got to get to the so, root of this thing. Columbus, our children are not Day, learning black history anywhere, yes. in the schools, in the church, in the community organization. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we got to do it with the school committee, but we could say to the mayor, hey, 
Stop funding these community programs that don't do anything but throw and put a basketball in the hands of these black boys. Make sure that they have programming that supports positive improvements about how they think about themselves. That's all I'm saying. Some of these yeah, things are so simple. But we give up. We have given up our black minds. You know, is it y'all talk about Herman, Herman Cain and Clarence Thomas all you want to, but there's a lot of us right behind them because we don't give any conscious thought to who we are as a people, nor do we give any conscious thought to the path under which we are about to walk to our demise. And that's just keeping it real, Brother Brock. We're walking mm-hmm. to our demise. The more and more our children become multiculturalized, the more and more we become invisible. Part of that color, uh, the melting pot. Once you, once you put all the colors in the melting pot, you no longer have hey. the, uh, the, 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 the pure color you're looking at. So, like you yep. just said, invisible, invisible man. That's okay, right. Okay, Brother Brock, you want me to put you on hold, too? I'm putting everybody on I apologize. Something is happening to Blog Talk Radio. See, y'all need to build a, um, y'all need to build a, a black empowerment, um, Comcast, so that <laughs> uh, we don't have all these technical difficulties. Uh, it, it just, you know, some sometimes you have to. You have to lose your mind to come to your senses. That's how I've been told. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll take your calls at 347-838-9852. I ain't playing with you, house music lover. Oh, there it is right again. I'm going to have to take this one before we go to break. 312, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. Yeah, Janice, I, I was trying to uh, get in before the Did you hear me just say, did you just hear me say, you know, how love, I ain't playing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you. Uh, but I got a, I have a small point to pick. When you speak yeah. about urology and health, uh, men's health uh-huh. issues, you, you can't include the word get all up in it. That, that you know. That's, <laughs> you gotta, you, I, I'm glad I have listeners that pick up, pick up stuff. Yeah, you, you have to separate those phrases, okay? Just, just letting you know. What's on your mind? Um, nothing. You, you, you've carried. I'm sorry, not nothing. A whole bunch. You, you've uh, um, carried a whole bunch of water for me and uh, like-minded people tonight. Uh, just one little point I wanted to point out. Uh, one other thing I wanted to point out was um, speaking with uh, Infoman and Lions Den earlier. Um, they asked about uh, a, a question about the different movements um, that um. Occupy Wall Street to kind of uh, incorporate. And uh, what I was trying to say, hopefully I got my point across, was 
that not knowing about the occupation, uh, Occupy the Hood, I hadn't heard about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully there's going to be so many different simultaneous movements going on, which is what we need, yeah. you know, whether it's black movements or whether it's uh, movements to address the uh, disenfranchisement of the uh, voters' rights or whatever. There needs to be so many simultaneous movements that OWS doesn't have to be the uh, 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 the one movement to incorporate all these different yeah. changes, to try yeah. and get all these changes. So um, well, I'm, I'm glad you informed us about that. I was very, that. very pleased with the one that I went to last night. I have been to Occupy Boston two or three times, and, yeah, I stood around. The, I was in a circle around the Boston Federal Reserve Bank uh, chanting, fuck the feds, fuck the feds, and, <laughs> and that did nothing for me. <laughs> I came home and it felt like the old days. But last night um at Occupy the Hood Boston I I I saw working groups being formed and that made me hopeful that we will get on our own uh agenda about these things. Now, one of the things, and I just have to share this with you um, and the audience, is I get concerned um, when we take our eye. We have something called the Nguza Saba. And the Nguza Saba are the seven principles. And we have to impart that with to our partners. Because if Nia and Ujima, Ujama, Imani is not in the efforts that we put forth, we lose ourselves. So as our young black people were talking uh, last night, I was thinking to myself, you need to be telling your Latino partners about the Nguza Saba. You need to be examining every one of the priorities that you're talking about in terms of how culturally it fits in the political strategies. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got to stay true to us. We got to stay mm-hmm. true to us. You know. Uh, I, I don't doubt that. Um, every other group does it. Um, yeah, that's been, right. We've been and you know the thing is, we bring the we bring the biggest riches to the table mm-hmm. on this Occupy movement thing. The mm-hmm. biggest riches. We bring more to the table than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Because we have had to examine, understand, diagnose, analyze, um, infractuate the whole nature of justice. Mm-hmm. You want to talk to just, about justice? You better talk to some black people. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Outside of Mahatma Gandhi, um, you got Dr. King, whose monument, you know, was just dedicated last week um, to a nonviolent movement and was uh, That's dedicated right. to it in social justice. And yeah, there's no way in the world that uh, they should be able to even ignore the uh, the contribution exactly. and exactly. not speak the example. So you're right about that. Exactly. Yep. But yep. also, we, the, the, the OWS is a new movement, so I know you. And I, I defer to you because you have so much more experience in getting the, the movement together. But they're still new, so they, I think they have a little time to garner that strength in numbers before they solidify their message. 
Well, they're, they're getting closer. They're learning and they're changing as a result of what they learned because, you know, three weeks ago I was saying that this was the second coming of Woodstock. Mm, and, yeah. and, and it's starting to mature. But what they've got to do is they've got to demand of their followers. The mm-hmm. movement is the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not the people who they're talking to. You can stand right. in front of the bull in, on, on Wall Street all day long. The bull is going to stand. Right, right, right. Yep. Okay. Thank you, House Music Lover, for Thanks, uh, joining us tonight. And um, we we um, we do need to stand. We need to stand. Absolutely. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. And I want to thank everyone in our chat room uh, who has joined us. We've got a lot of guests tonight. You guys got to put a handle on that thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm Janice Graham, and it's been so great to be with you. Please join us on Friday night uh, with Judith Brown Dionis of the Advancement Project. We're going to be talking about the campaign against The American people, voter suppression, the new black tax poll. And um, also join us on TruthWorks Network where you'll find some of the finest broadcast programming available. Uh, We're going to go out out here with uh, Baraka, Amiri Baraka, tonight. And we hope that you have a great Sunday. Do something that is empowering. We're broadcasting bold, brave, and black at our common ground. Who will survive America? Few Americans. Very few Negroes and no crackers at all. Who will survive America? Few Americans. Very few Negroes. And no crackers at all. Who will survive America? Very few Negroes, no crackers at all. Who will survive America? Very few Negroes, no crackers at all. Will you survive America with your 20 cent habits? Your throwback Jones, will you survive in the heat and fire? And right up Sterling Street, your ass prints on the pavement. Grease was melting in the... Thank you for joining us tonight at Our Common Ground. Please join us on Friday, October 28th, Voter Suppression with Judith Brown Dianis, the new black tax poll, a special at Our Common Ground. And next Saturday, the black mega church. I'll be listening for you. Y'all want to shut me up? Why are y'all walking like there's a war going on? Nobody has guns! Why are y'all treating people like this? This is America! Why are y'all treating people like this? Why are y'all gearing up like this is war? This is not war! This is not war!
like this. No, I have done. It doesn't come out to act like this. No matter what I've done, nobody's trying to hurt you guys. There are no bullets flying out here. There are no bullets flying. How tough are you? How tough are you? And you as citizens, you as citizens, you as citizens, you as, it does not make you want to do this to them. It doesn't. 